you have a mic in your hand, Leah, I need you to not go into a fake voice like you just did three seconds ago. It's fine. She picked up the mic and said, I get real weird when I get one of these. And so I'm really hoping you prove it in this episode. <laughs> so today we're, uh, we're going to jump in with my friend Leah, who we were just trying to figure out how long has she been a part of my life. And we think it's seven years. Mm-hmm. I met you as a college freshman, sophomore, something like that. I think I was 21. So yeah, it's been seven years. You're a little baby. You're almost 30. I am getting old. I <sighs> no, you're not. It. I'm in my 30s. You know I'm 32 now? I don't receive that. I think that you're young. In my head, I also am very young. I think I've always thought that you were my age. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Because I want to be. I want, like, truly, and I don't think this changes. Tell me if it's true for you. Mm -hmm. I still feel like I just graduated college. Absolutely. I feel like I just got it. It's been 10 years. I mean, it has been over 10 years since I graduated college. But in my head, I just got out. No, I, I feel like, I think it's been five for me, but I literally have no idea what I'm doing in the adult life. Mm -hmm. Do you ever figure it out? No. Okay. Uh, You don't. But the sooner we all agree (laughs) that none of us really know what we're doing. I think it evens the playing field quite a bit. And then the ones who pretend like they do, let's just look at them and think, we know you don't. No, you're... We know you don't know. We we just went through the process of selling our house and Ryan kept trying to talk to me about like mortgage stuff. (laughs) And I just thought, I don't don't know that I can spell mortgage. Like, I don't... (laughs) Why are you talking to me about this stuff? I don't want to know about it because I don't, I just, he does all that stuff in the background and it just magically is done. Well, at least you have a husband. To I was going to say, and that is the I'm point here. of a husband. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Do you yes. have a house or are you still? Yeah. I uh, bought a condo <gasps> you a year such and a half ago. An adult. I think I still thought you were renting. No. Oh my gosh. I'm a you, little homeowner. You are with a cat. With a cat. And I still have not figured out how to keep plants alive. That is harder than people make it seem. Callie, I was, I planted peppers and oh. thought I was growing a pepper and it turned out to be a weed. <laughs> and you just kept watering it. I and did. Waiting and I waiting. waited three months and then it turned out to be a weed. And I was so disappointed. In our very first house, we had this little 800 square foot house. And it was adorable. And it had raised uh, beds in the back. And I thought, I'm going to garden. Now, I have no history of gardening. My mother never gardened. I don't like, she would always tell me that she killed plants with kindness. Like she kept, she watered them too much. Like she always killed everything she had. But I thought, I'm going to, I can, this is not hard. And people told me, you know, tomatoes and peppers. Yeah. Start there. That's easy. Zucchini, mm-hmm. all of it. So I did. I planted them all, watered them, and they all grew. And it was like, I was very good. I mean, I can grow anything at this point. If it's one of those three things, I can grow it. And so by anything, I mean, if it's a zucchini, tomato, or, you know, pepper. But any hoosies. So I go out there, and I pick them, and I bring them inside, and I set them on the windowsill. But we would never eat them. Because I didn't trust them. Like... (laughs) (laughs) I would work so hard to grow all of these things. And I would go and pick them and I would be so proud. I'd take a picture of them. Just had so much pride in them. And then they just would sit there because I didn't like trust that I could eat them. I just didn't trust myself. So that was the end of my gardening days. But just know I can't grow them. I just don't know what to do with them after that. (laughs) Give them to me. (laughs) That's the best I can do for you. That's the best I can do. But Leah, let's start. I want one of my favorite things to do at the beginning of these podcasts, especially with people that I love so much and that I already know their stories. Mm-hmm. I want other people to hear their stories because that's the value 
of these episodes is um, I think a lot of people can find themselves in the stories of other people. So let's start with you. Kind of tell us your story from college to now. Kind of what moments have shaped you uh, looking back? Kind of what's one of the biggest truths that you walked away with through this period? So like most people, I feel like a lot of my story has to do with relationships and and men and uh, really finding value in myself and seeing myself through the lens that Jesus views me as. So back in college, oh man, God bless your soul, Callie. I just uh, gave myself away pretty freely. I think I was just lost and I think that I never really felt like I fit in. I never felt understood, but I always just tried my best to fit in with what was going on around Mm -hmm. me. So, you know, you're surrounded by people who are hanging out with a bunch of guys and sleeping around. In in some ways, I just kind of followed suit and just just definitely gave myself away too freely and put my self-worth in in what guys thought about me. Mm -hmm. And I remember so desperately wanting to know Jesus and really wanting to experience experience him to the fullest but never really surrendering to him because I was too afraid of what I would lose. Mm. I was too afraid that, you know, if I gave up going out and drinking every weekend and hooking up with guys that I wouldn't have friends or mm. that people would make fun of me or I just, nobody would understand me. And, and then I get into relationships and they would uh, turn out to be really destructive. And I went through one particular relationship that has really shaped who I, who I am now kind of reflecting on, on the relationship. A lot of, a lot of, verbal, I don't know if I can say the word abuse, but I'm going to call it verbal abuse because it was just, you know, tearing down me at every moment that I could possibly be torn down. And so that was really hard for me to leave. Um, How long was that relationship? It was like a year and a half, Mm -hmm. but it was just so, so toxic. It was in and out of relationship and okay, I love you. No, I don't love you. Actually, I hate you. Okay, we're going to get back together. And okay, actually, I'm just going to come over and we're going to hook up. And oh, well, I love you. No, actually, no, I hate you. It was just mm. like this. And I know that there are women out there who know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And you just cannot seem to get out of the cycle. Um, and by the grace of God, I did. But I do recall <laughs> after I was going through that breakup, I was still hanging out with other guys and hooking up with whoever. And I remember coming to the life or a small group and I was like, Callie, I'm just going to tell you what I'm doing. Like, I'm hooking up with these guys. I don't, like, care. You never kept it a secret. I never I mean, kept it listen, a secret. And that's something I, I really do respect and love most about you. Yeah. Is that you, even now, the easy thing would be to hide these parts. Mm-hmm. And I think we all instinctively look at our past and think, there's some parts I just want to hide. Like, yeah. I don't want anyone to see these parts because they are not great. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to change how you view me. But those are the parts that people are like, but that's me too. Yeah. That is... That was who I was. And right. they want to know, how are you not that anymore? And that's right. why I just love that you would roll up and be like, oh, let me tell you what's happening. Let yes. me tell you the full story here. And I just remember the faces on everybody during that night. I think they were like, oh my gosh, Callie, what are you going to do about this? <laughs> and I just remember being, I think I was honestly crying out for help. Yeah. Secretly, like mm. looking back at it now, I'm like, why was I so open about saying that? It wasn't because I wanted attention. Mm-hmm. I needed help. Mm. And I remember you being like, all right, Leah, 30 days, no talking to guys, no dating, nothing. And I was, like, off. I was like, that is honestly so annoying, Callie. Why would that even be an option? I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Disgusted. <by laughs> I was this. so mad. And then I was like, whatever. 
And I don't even think I really committed to it, but I think that you had this little thing going on with the Lord because Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. over a year, I literally could not catch the attention of a guy. (laughs) Hello. I was like, hey, hello. (laughs) And so I look back though, and I'm so grateful for that time because I think he was really priming me for, for my future relationships. And I ended up meeting a really great guy and, you know, we had a great relationship and I realized, I I say all this stuff vocally because I think that I've realized how important intimacy is in Mm. relationships and and marriage and how it is just so not meant for casual relationships, Mm. whether you think you're going to marry someone or not, because I can say confidently that I thought I was going to marry somebody after a relationship of two and a half years. And it would have been easy for me to just justify Mm. it and be like, oh yeah, we're just going to sleep together because... That's going to be my husband. We know we're getting married. Yeah, we it's know. fine. Yeah. And plot twist, we're not together anymore. And mm. and I'm, I can walk away from that relationship with complete peace and there's no fog. I've, I mean, in my past relationships, being intimate with somebody, I can't even describe to you. It was like I was wearing goggles that were like 75 years old mm. with just muck and mm-hmm. you couldn't see through it and I could not justify any decision that I was making. Mm. And... This is the first time that I can walk away from a relationship and be completely in tune with the Holy Spirit and what Jesus mm. has for me. And it's it's been quite the journey. Mm. Journey is probably the best word for it. <laughs> because let me, uh, from my perspective, <laughs> um, meeting you, do you remember, you were just one of those people that people are drawn to. You know, they just like, you bring people in, you make them feel valued and seen. And I remember thinking, if she is so good at making other people's feel valued. Why does she not care if she's mm. valued or not? Right. I could not compute it. I couldn't figure out why it wasn't important to you. I remember going out with you multiple times, whether it was Sonic or breakfast or at Mark gourmet market mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah. wherever and having these conversations with you. But I want to back up a little bit, um, to the toxic cycle you felt like you yeah. were in with that first relationship. What made you stay? I mean, what made it feel like you could not break away from it? I think I was so insecure that I don't even think it was that I wouldn't find another guy. I was just so weirdly wrapped up in that relationship because we were intimate. And Mm -hmm. I just thought, I mean, it's true. Sex is meant for marriage for a reason. Mm -hmm. And no matter how hard you try, that piece of me is with that person. And it will always be that way. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't let it go. Mm -hmm. I just could not understand. I couldn't let it go. Mm-hmm. And I think that is mostly what it was yeah. because I knew it ties you in ways yes. that feel impossible to break. It is a soul tie that truly I could mm-hmm. not break away with pair of scissors. Mm-hmm. Like, and thankfully I, I feel absolutely no guilt or shame from anything that I've done in the past. Mm-hmm. And the Lord has totally redeemed me and changed my life. But it's just amazing that I can look back and be like, you know what? Honestly, that was all a blessing. Mm-hmm. And I learned a great lesson and now I know how to talk to my future daughter about relationships Mm -hmm. and intimacy and how important it is to protect yourself. And you know how to value that in future relationships. Right. But I do want to lean into that a little bit more. We didn't really plan this, but I just, I feel led in this direction for just Mm -hmm. a moment. There are so many um, women who listen to this, who Mm -hmm. have crossed those lines Yeah, and they almost feel unredeemable or it's the mindset of I've already crossed the line. Why not? keep crossing the line or it's that is something that has broken my heart. I remember sitting across from you at gourmet market and for some reason, God laid that on my heart uh, that day when we were eating together and you were sharing just some of your past. And I just remember looking at you and being like, 
I think it is this false narrative that once you have crossed a line, it, you can't redeem that part of your life anymore. That is putting limitations on Jesus and yeah. what he pieces of his life that he can take and make into this beautiful picture because of a culture we grow up in that feels like, yeah, this is something prized and treasured mm-hmm. and absolutely protected. But you know what? There are times when there are lines that are crossed that you cannot uncross. Yeah. And I just want so badly for for these girls to lean into this part of your story of nothing is unredeemable. Mm-mm. God can take anything and restore it. And you said it, you know, there are pieces of me that are gone that I've given away. But what is your, your message of hope? Not to sound cheesy, but that's what I think a lot of these women need in these moments that that's not it. That's not, you're not done no. by any means. No, I um, have learned a lot about conviction versus guilt. Mm-hmm. And when the Lord convicts me, I'm very aware that that's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, when I feel guilt, I feel like that's the enemy messing with me, trying mm-hmm. to make me go back to a place of guilt and shame. And I will literally out out loud say, I don't receive that. Mm-hmm. And I am going to just shoo that away. Sorry, Satan, mm-hmm. not today. <laughs> but I also know that I feel like the Lord just has placed uh, you know, a desire on my heart to be a wife and to be a mom mm-hmm. and all these all of these things that feel kind of impossible right now, but I know that he's always good and mm. that he doesn't just, yes, he's a just God. And he, at the same time, he doesn't put those desires on your heart just for fun mm-hmm. to pull them away. Yeah. And so there's always this promise that, you know, he's working all things together for good. And I have to believe that every single part of my story is going to work together Mm -hmm. for good Mm -hmm. and and just being secure in who I am now you realized over time that your value was not going to come from that relationship and from whoever you were dating telling you what Mm -hmm. your worth was anymore and that when your worth is placed and again at the risk of sounding cheesy but there's so much truth in it when you said it all I can say is it was Jesus Mm -hmm. is when your worth is founded in the relationship you have with him, it's no longer tied to a past. Right. It's no longer tied to anything. It's tied to what he's doing now and what he's going to do in your future. And I do think what you just said is perfect about the difference in conviction and guilt Mm -hmm. is that's such an easy line to get fuzzy. Yes. In in any conversation that has to do with past and any, anything that from your past that hangs over, that you feel like hangs over you. I think that's such a worthy statement to keep in mind and right. telling Satan, get out of here with that mess of stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> on that topic of our worth and letting other people project, and it's not even just in romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. I think you can grow up with a lifetime of people telling you what your worth is. I listened to a podcast the other day and the big question was, who were you before someone told you who you should be? And I thought, Oh my, like that is that's a big question. And all a lot of times, most of the people in your life, somehow along the way, especially for twos like mm-hmm. we are, yeah. they can project a sense of worth on us based on our relationship with them. So for yes. you in this in this growth stage that you're in, um, you know, I know one of the top struggles is letting other people kind of tell us or project on us our worth. How have you seen that be true in your in your own life and how do you fight falling into it? I know this sounds silly, but I fight it by muting out as much as I can that I know it's not truth. I try to view myself, like I said, through the through the lens that Jesus would view me. And unfortunately, a lot of the pressure I feel is through social media mm-hmm. and Instagram. And it's just 
fake. It's just not real. And it's so frustrating to me um, because I've totally gone down the rabbit hole and being like, oh, why don't I look like her? Oh, she's so pretty. Her boyfriend is so hot. Oh my gosh. Why can't I have a boyfriend that's hot? What? Maybe I have to lose 10 pounds. Maybe I should change my face. Should I get Botox? I mean, what 28-year-old... Well, I'll take that back. I've got plenty of friends who have Botox. <laughs> I want it. I want it. Oh, I, I still want, want it. it. I Give do. It I, I'm not going to say I, I want it. But I just think that my security... Something about surrendering, completely surrendering to Jesus. And I told you this before, but up until about a year ago, I was teetering on the line. I would dip my toe in and I would experience Jesus. And I'm like, oh, I love that. I love that. Oh, but I'm not ready to actually. Here's a great statement about Jesus. I'll post it. That's great. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, cool. This is a great Instagram post. I'm going to post this. And then I'm still going to go back to my old habits. Yeah. But I realized that at some point I had to release all control. And that meant the control of letting people define who I am and letting other people's opinions matter because mm. it just doesn't. Mm. And, and as annoying as this is, I just started talking really positive about myself. <laughs> people would be like, you look so good today. I'm like, thank you. I know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if we really press into that, my, I am the queen. If someone gives me a compliment, like if someone's like, Hey, I really like that shirt. I'm like $4 at Old Navy. Yes. Like, I can't just say thank yes. you. No. Or I appreciate that. Or I've, I don't think many women can no. just say thank you. Because like, it's like, to it's a almost, compliment. yeah, it's, 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 I don't know why it's so uncomfortable to receive a compliment, but listen, this is my advice. If somebody gives you a compliment, be like, yes, I received that. Thank you. <laughs> and then you start believing it. Yeah. Slowly. It's true. It, you it do. Is. And, it, mm-hmm. and I, I can confidently say that I, my friend's, they always joke with me. They're like, I love your confidence. You're just so sure of who you are. And I'm like, well, first of all, it's because Jesus is literally shining out of my face. That was your response to me. You were sitting across the table from me <laughs> and I was just reminded how much I love you because I hadn't seen you because, yeah. you know, COVID and you're sitting across the table and I'm just like, I forget how pretty you are until you're in front of me again and how much I love you. And your response exactly was, I think it's just Jesus shining through right now. And it wasn't weird. It was just the most natural yeah. Leah response. I think. Well, ever. I mean, I think we should probably give him more credit for what he's done. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, uh, but yeah, sorry. I'm mean, I get really sidetracked. I know you, you know, this. About it's me. my, so do you. Listen, it's what makes but, this podcast good. Is the yeah, rabbit trails. Here we are. Thank <laughs> God this is edited. <laughs> but yeah, sir, just fully surrendering and being like, all right, Lord, I'm going to step into who you say I am. I'm going to start believing Mm -hmm. what you say about me. And I am truly, the moments where I feel like somebody else is defining me or somebody else is saying something about me, whether it's true or not, like, no, I'm going to you. I'm going straight to you. I'm going to the root of why I exist. Mm -hmm. I just don't have time for people to talk negatively about me or anybody around me. Mm-hmm. And I think that is also a huge thing is making a big point to talk positively about everybody yeah. around you too. Because when Jesus calls us to love others, like we love ourselves, if you love yourself really crappy and all you do is talk down about yourself and you're, Oh, I look so bad today. Or, Oh my God, this outfit is disgusting. Like you're probably going to project that on somebody mm-hmm. else and be like, wow, her outfit is so ugly. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but that doesn't reflect Jesus. Mm-hmm. I was listening to something the other day, a podcast, and um, the girl on it, she said, at some point you have to agree with God that the way you're wired is not an accident or a concession. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he's up there thinking, oh my goodness, she has a strong personality. Or, <laughs> oh gosh, she is too shy or too yeah. assertive or right. too loud or whatever. He's not saying any of that. 
I mean, when you lean into agreeing with him on your giftings and on who he made you to be yeah. and then expecting him to use that in the lives of other people, it kind of changes everything. Yeah. And it changes your perception altogether. But I want to lean into that self-perception a little bit more. How has how you see yourself changed over time? If you could go back to college Leah, mm-hmm. 21-year-old Leah that mm-hmm. I met, what would you say to her knowing what you know now? I would probably say really step into the gifts that God's given you because in when you step into what he's called you to do and you step into, you know, receiving the gifts that he's given to you, you find a place where you feel really special and you feel really called and you feel mm-hmm. set apart, which makes you feel yes, different, but also really special. Like, and I would imagine it makes it easier to say no to the things that, you know, are harmful. Absolutely. To you. Yes. And walking in obedience, let's be real growing up and hearing the word obedience. You're like, uh, Ugh. Mm-hmm. No, thanks. I would like to be defiant, but I've realized that walking in obedience with Jesus is actually just for our protection and it, it provides mm-hmm. so much more freedom. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yeah, I'm actually not going to go sleep around with that guy because you're protecting me from heartache mm-hmm. and you're protecting me from shame and guilt. And you are protecting me because you have something really special planned for me. And it, I'm not really missing mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And if we just viewed it through the lens that we're being protected because Jesus loves us more than anything, like we would probably do things a lot different. Your whole demeanor and perception Absolutely. would change. But I've also in this window of time, I've seen you kind of change what your priorities are mm-hmm. and what you're going to kind of spend time on yeah. and allow into your life. And one of those big things has been your overall health. Mm-hmm. I know early on it was about weight loss. Yes. It was about how do I look at a certain time, but talk a little bit about how your overall health, mental, physical, mm-hmm. spiritual, all of it became a priority instead of just a number on a scale or a, a size or an accomplishment. Right. Right. Yeah. It definitely started out as a weight loss thing. I think I was a little self-conscious. I was an athlete for a long time and I know a lot of people can relate to this. And when you stop playing sports, I actually gained 10 pounds, which is not a bad thing, but you're like, "Mm." I used to have four abs and now I have one. Just the one big one. (laughs) Just that one big one one in the mirror. (laughs) So it definitely started out in that, in that realm. But then I started enjoying working out and weightlifting and, you know, reaching goals and, and eating healthy. And I started enjoying talking about it and then helping people reach their goals. And I never really understood the mental health aspect of it. But now I can literally tell if I do not move my body every single day, I am not in a good mental space. Mm. And when I'm not in a good mental space, then I'm probably not in a good spiritual Mm. space either. But my, my shift is, or my mindset has shifted a lot in, it's less about my physical appearance and more about being able to make my body healthy because God made me and mm-hmm. I'm here to honor that mm-hmm. and not treat it like dirt. Mm-hmm. That shifted mindset. I mean, you said it's not just, and we've harped on this before. Um, it's almost like when you shift that mindset, that first step toward it of, yeah. okay, I am not doing this because I want to catch that person's eye. Right. I'm not doing this because I want to fit into that size. And mm-hmm. I'm not doing this because I want that number. Right. It becomes more about the wholeness of it. Yes. And not just the one aspect and killing yourself on one thing, but it yeah. all ties together. Yeah. Like you said, 
if and I'm the same way, if I don't move or do something physical, sweat mm-hmm. one time a day, it's almost like my thoughts are jumbled. Yep. I can't think clearly. I'm frustrated. You can see all the other attributes that have nothing to do that I thought had nothing to do with my physical yep. abilities or whatever else. So to someone who is like, I feel like I am in that fog. I feel like whatever it is, I'm in a, in a hard, hard relationship. I'm in yeah. whatever. I'm in a hard spot, period. Yeah. What is a good first step? Because sure. you can't do all of it at once. No. But what's an easy first step? For me, a first step is making a tiny goal. Whether that's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go walk the neighborhood three times a week. Or I'm going to make sure that I'm drinking all my water per day. And that sounds kind of silly, but from experience, I have tried to bite off way more than I can chew. And I am always let down. And my expectations are not met and neither are my goals because I'm like, okay, I'm going to run six days a week and then I'm going to weight lift two days a week. And then I'm going to make this for dinner this day. And, and then gonna I'm going to eat do- carrots. Yes. And then I'm like, I, f- I realize that a, I am not a, a one or a type a, and I cannot stick to that mm-hmm. kind of schedule, but also it didn't really allow for any grace. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of where guilt and conviction comes in. I think, and everybody I'm sure can relate to this, you feel really guilty when you eat something sweet Mm -hmm. or you feel really guilty when you miss a workout. And it's like, okay, well, the enemy is already trying to defeat you. Mm -hmm. And now you're so defeated that you're not even going to move your body. Mm -hmm. And so just, um, especially in those last six months, because we've all been doing home workouts and just trying to get through. joy of looking at a screen. Yes. Yes. So I've just learned a lot lot about grace this this last um, six months and being just being grateful that I can even go on a walk or being grateful that I have the time to do a home workout instead of being like, Oh, mm-hmm. I missed that workout or I ate a brownie. It's that. And it, and this is, I remember where did I read this? It was almost like a cheesy self-help thing, but it was actually very effective, but it was saying changing your words from have to, to get to. Yes. So instead of I have to work out is I get to work. I out, love that. Or, yeah. I have to eat this. It's, Oh, I get to eat this. Mm-hmm. And it's just choosing to change just those, that one word. Mm-hmm. And the effect it can have on your mindset. Yes. And again, that leaks down to everything. It and does. Even the small goals point that you made. I think it's hard. We think, okay, big goals get mm-hmm. big results. Mm-hmm. But then when we can't maintain reaching those yep. big goals, like the first couple times that we miss the mark, we feel like a failure mm-hmm. and we lack grace. Mm-hmm. We feel guilt. Mm-hmm. We feel all those negative emotions when really, as long as we're going and doing something, a small step toward it, more and more will come from the first small step. I think there's a lot of pressure all around us too. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to do it. And Mm -hmm. and you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You're already setting up yourself up for failure because you're creating unrealistic goals to think that you're going to either lose this much weight or your body's going to change this, or you're going to be able to lift this much in 30 days. But I think that the mindset going in Mm -hmm. is where, is where people fail. Well, and just checking in, not on, Okay, what's the scale say? Absolutely. Or check, it's not about checking in with, okay, does, does this fit a little bit better? Right. It's checking in in the sense of how do I feel? Mm-hmm. Because I think you will be amazed yep. by just a small change like that in your mindset that will change how you approach your relationships, yes. how you approach your job, how you approach your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Just a small shift like that, how you feel will change. Yeah. And then slowly the other results will come. Yep. But it's that overall health picture that we're trying to paint of, I started here. I didn't like where I was. I didn't really like who I was. Mm -hmm. What's my first step into changing that? And surprisingly, 
a lot of times it's, I'm going to take a walk because it frees up your mind a little bit. And you get endorphins. And you get the endorphins. The endorphins, man. I'm not really sure what they are. I, I may be like a chemical in your brain. I'm what not really Wood sure. Say? She's like, endorphins. Are, <laughs> happy people just don't kill people. Which I think every time I think of the word endorphins is like. <laughs> you said she's like endorphins. And I, thought, <laughs> I thought you were stopping there. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's she's not. Like, I'm pretty sure she said that's that. not how she the said, quote goes. People who work out release endorphins. Endorphins make people happy. Happy people don't kill people. Listen, it's logic. Okay. Thanks, Elwood. If you Elwood. need to know anything else, that's your one quote <laughs> from this entire episode. <laughs> but Leah, we end every episode with one question. Okay. It's a big question. I know. I felt a lot of pressure. Big question. Yeah. What are you so happy that someone did tell you about? So I have a, there's a lot of pressure behind this question. There's a lot of pressure behind this question. So over quarantine, I learned how to, to maintain a yeast starter. I have noticed your bread baking. And I bread bake. I bread bake. I, I bread, bread bake. <laughs> I bread bake all the I time. Bre- <laughs> That's a good time. I bake bread constantly lots of different kinds i literally cannot stop i'm amazed is it satisfying like it is phenomenal and your house smells great absolutely and you feel like a homemaker yes but then i realize i don't have enough friends to give bread to um hello now i have now i yeah that's true <laughs> i'll text my brother and sister-in-law I'm like you want a loaf of bread and they're like honestly no <laughs> and henley's favorite snack is butter bread she oh. wants a slice of well, bread I know. with butter slathered all over it. She is because my she's, girl. Because listen, don't you wish you could go back to those days where yes. it's like they said it, it's like bagel bites, pop tarts. Like you said in front of me, I can eat it and I don't care. Callie, my mother fed me toaster strudels yep. in tang yep. for breakfast every morning. And look at you. How am I alive? What a woman. Who knows? You know, it's <laughs> made you who you are. I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay. The biblical version let's see okay can you repeat the question what are you <laughs> it's like you're <laughs> on trivial pursuit is that I'm a show so, or a game i'm sweating a little bit listen I'm, but what are you so happy that someone did tell you about what is it like even if you look back on a season and you were like i'm so thankful someone finally told me that i honestly really am thankful for the moment that you told me stay away from boys stay away from boys I think I promised you I'd get a tattoo if you did it. You did. You still owe me a tattoo. And honestly, it's been like five years. So when are we going? <laughs> Listen, if I can just commit to what I want tattooed on me forever, I just can't. Com- I have commitment issues. Well, I you could have gotten the word abide written on you, but you missed that opportunity. I did. I was going to go with you to do that. You missed that opportunity. But see, that word has very special meaning to it you. It does. It does. And while I like the word in general, it's yeah. a good word. Yeah. I don't want it on my body forever. Big fan of words. Okay. I get that. I get that. It has no real meaning to me. Okay. Touche. Touche. I think I thought about getting Ryan like across my heart. Like on my chest. I would die. I would. Did you know Ryan has a tattoo? Oh, what? Your name? Captain Safety has a tattoo. He got what? one before I did. No. Yes, he did. And we rolled up on that place and he was so nervous. He, he accidentally honked the horn multiple times. Where, where? I don't know how it happened, but the horn just kept honking. And it, it, he went to uh, a place down West and he, I sat there with him and he got it tattooed on his wrist. And then he came out and he was like, that hurt real bad, but I had to pretend like I didn't. That hurt and, real bad. <laughs> so, I mean, he, I, if I can think of something, if you have any thoughts, 
We can. I'm not going to hold my breath. I'll probably wait another. If I go, I'll five take you to with ten me. years. If I go, I'll take you with me. What if I get it um, on your wedding day and I show up on your wedding day with a tattoo, and I say this is for you? I would be honored. This is your wedding gift. I'll be the flower girl. I'll get to the end after doing all the flowers and I'll show you my tattoo. Got a tattoo for you. <laughs> Leah, I don't know what to say other than how much I dadgum love you. Oh, I love you too. You have brought so much joy into my life. Thank you. Just well, you, period. You have shaped a lot of who I am. Listen, in the I, last seven hopefully years. in more positive ways than absolutely if anyone knows how to filter what i say it's leah at this point it's true there are some things get each other sometimes it's not good advice and you need to just move along (laughs) sometimes you just you need to know what to take and what to leave with me when it comes to guiding you through your life but i love you so much i can't i cannot wait to see what happens next thank you i'm on the edge of my seat I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or you can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C-E-Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.